Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jerry Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. And by the way, everybody, oh, so I I took a look, I haven't looked in months, so I looked at some of our reviews on uh, on the the iTunes. And so still got, basically got a five-star rating, you know, mostly five stars. Yeah, 2.6. Yeah, Couple, no, no, no. Couple of couple of low ones, couple of ones in there, and so I scroll down, and somebody left a one star review, and they were just like, they were salty. And mm. one, one of the things I like, like how listen, that one guy saying like, quote, I have written many books, end quote, and uh, like the the guy's so full of himself. So uh, that would be me, because uh, you know, no, Jimmy, between us, we've written five books. We have between us, between be- the two of us, between the two of us, there are five booklets out there. Uh, for the record, yeah, if you're new here and you hear, hopefully you can discern from the tone in my voice that I am being facetious. Uh, the five books that I've written, if you smoosh them all together, they might make one medium-sized book. They're very small. Jimmy calls them booklets, and they're not Pamphlets, exactly yeah. selling at the Piperian level. Uh, so, <laughs> like, uh, it's a joke. It's a joke. That's it's it's uh, it's a goof. So please, if you're new here, don't take me seriously. If I refer to how awesome I am, because mm. I uh, do mm. not think that I'm, I mean, I'm more awesome than Jimmy, but I'm not awesome, you know, in any objectives. Relatively, I'm awesome. But relatively, not, I'm, relatively, not except for that, that shave. I didn't shave. You shaved I shaved my beard. head every day. I didn't Goodness. shave my beard. I trimmed it down. No, got that's a, nice, a shave. Got a nice, short, uh, trim, regular, mm. regular guy beard. And you know I'm secure enough to do it. I ain't worried about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't care what. I don't care. Oh. I don't. I don't. I don't. I've never uh, cared so what anybody thinks about my style. Oh, so you're gonna keep it that way then? Oh, no, wait. I'll grow it back out. No, no. no why? You, because you're, you're, I like it long. I oh. I did this for my wife. Oh, now, what she like? Did she like it? No, she didn't. Like oh, so it, you no. did it for your wife? Yeah. And yet she was like, no. She was like, mm, should have asked. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Should have asked. Yeah. I'm like, you you always say you like it this length. And she was like, yeah. Now I'm used to it that way. So the other way. So you know. Mm. I'm like, so yeah. Mistake. Yeah, that's a that's a big mistake, right there. Don't hey, don't laugh like that. Actually. Listen, listen, listen. I look good. You know, no, you, know no. how I, you know how I know I look good because lots of people have said, "No, no, you look good." Yeah. Oh, they went up and up. Yeah, doing all right. Really good. <laughs> How's your week been? Uh, it has been okay. You know, got busted up people and Elias dislocated his knee and oh yeah, he's in a some kind of brace. Man, your family's a mess. Your and wife's got my, my, my wife's. Got her, got her arm in a sling. She had surgery, and so um, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm all right. I'm good. Just busy. Yeah, you know, busy. You are preaching this weekend. I am preaching at yes. Redeemer Fellowship. Everybody can go to RedeemerFellowship.org no, 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 and listen to Jimmy's sermon. Should be live Sunday. <laughs> it's gonna be good, man. What are you yeah. preaching on? Hey, it's gonna be good. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be good. You know, Matthew, I'm actually going with the text right after yours mm-hmm, that, that you preached on uh, Sunday. So, Luke, Christmas is about reconciliation. Mm, yeah, God with us, the Emmanuel yep. principle, mm. all of that's going to be good. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. You're probably done with your sermons Wednesday. You're probably done. But when we're recording this is Wednesday, you're probably already done. <laughs> Got it all wrapped it's a up. Work in progress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm excited for it, man. I cannot mm. wait well, I'm glad to one give of you is. feedback after yeah. first service. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We'll see. You know, it's been a busy week. Putting I in the prep you. time, putting in the prep time when I can. Actually, after this, uh, we're not having DG tonight because uh, discipleship group for the yeah, new people. Discipleship group. Three individuals couldn't make it, and so then it'll just be Peter and I. And I'm like, 
as much as I would love to hang out, Peter, uh, I'm going to use this opportunity. He has some sermon prep to be doing. To go do some, yeah. to do some sermon prep. No, I mean, Jimmy has been so busy with his vocational work that uh, this recording almost didn't happen. Because, like, you know, meetings just, you can't control sometimes mm-hmm. how long important meetings go. And he's been all tied up. So Jimmy had to hustle just to just to make this happen so thank you jimmy i know that that was a pain and i really appreciate it oh thank Pre- appreciate you bro appreciate you bro so what are we gonna talk about today joe you know what uh we ain't got time for much because you just got here and we got like five minutes so know, you yeah. know basically uh, we're just gonna let's go let's go we're, re- we're gonna read some emails and do some uh mailbag all right <coughs> oh are you okay yeah oh i still is, have that cold oh is that a th- what is that it's a uh, iced coffee oh did you get me one Mm-mm. why because first we were supposed to meet at five, mm-hmm. and then it was like, eh, it'll be a little after five. And then I called in at 5.30, and you're like, yeah, 6.15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't pick that up. Do not pick up that phone. No. You're getting, <laughs> just put it down so we can do this. We're going to do email. We'll do mailbag. Yep. We got some questions from people. And you know what? In keeping with uh, the season, we're going we're gonna to answer an email from a guy named Eric. Eric um, sent us an email, and the subject is Christmas, Puritans, Spurgeon, and his message is, Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I'd love to hear a podcast episode with your thoughts on Christmas. I love Christmas, both the sacred and the secular, or as I like to call it, Big C Christmas and Little C Christmas, with the shoulder shrug emoji thing. That he, like made. that he made in you email. Make with your, yeah, I don't do that. I know you did an episode with Steve McCoy about Santa Claus, which was great. But I'd really be interested in your take on the Puritans and Christmas and why we shouldn't follow their lead, maybe along with some other old dudes like Calvin Spurgeon, etc. Opinions, practices on the matter. Anyway, thanks for all you do, Eric. Hmm. All righty. Well, okay, let's get this out of the way first. Um, when you're looking at the Reformed tradition specifically, uh, because the Reformed tradition largely rejected the liturgical calendar, um, they believe we believe in the regulative principle, meaning that uh, our worship is regulated by scripture and yeah. scripture alone. So they've been there's always been pushback against additional uh, celebrations, festivals, observances that are not rooted in scripture. And so the reform tradition, I'm comfortable saying the reform tradition has not entirely, though it has to a large degree historically been uh, not down with celebrating Christmas, for example, not big on Christmas. You look at the Puritans. Again, you're talking about this Reformation principle pushing back against uh, uh, the Church of England and and their oppressive uh, requirements concerning mm-hmm. religious worship, uh, pushing back against that as well. Uh, so you have guys like Calvin before the Puritans who generally, you know, didn't like it. You got the Puritans. Um, even uh, you mentioned Spurgeon in here. Yeah, Spurgeon uh, generally was pretty sour on Christmas, particularly as and it, vegetables. Yeah. Well, he did. He apparently. Only wanted that. He, he liked wanted, that meat. He liked the meat. He liked that meat. Yeah, yeah. Because that's why his hands were all swollen up so big. <laughs> Gout. <laughs> Spurgeon ham fisted. Oh, Spur- Spurgeon ham. Spurgeon oh, ham. I'd buy that. Yeah, that'd be good. If so yell at you. You Spurgeon has a bunch of Christmas sermons. He preached Christmas sermons, and so it's not like he wasn't totally like a hundred percent anti Christmas. Mm. But he, de- he definitely was sour on Christmas as a requirement. Um, now, as part of this, just that, like, as you mentioned, just like this reaction against, yeah, yeah, it, it, against just the liturgical calendar, yeah, and against like the like, listen, 
this God calls us to do a few things here when it comes to worship, right? And mm-hmm. that is we gather together on the Lord's day, right? That's Sunday, everybody. And that, um, and you worship in spirit and in truth with the means of grace and those essential elements of worship that's required. As soon as a church starts to require additional gatherings and festivals, that's dangerous, right? Yeah. At, at best. And so they're usually pushing back against that. Now in our case in 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 this culture and climate we don't have that sort of oppressive regime and so like uh many churches and even Cal- many calvinistic churches and some reformed churches uh don't have a problem celebrating uh christmas in some way so long as it doesn't interrupt or interfere with their regular observance of worship on the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's really how we think about it. We look at it and Spurgeon talked about this too. We look at celebrating Christmas as an opportunity to connect with the culture yeah. on particular theological points. Mm-hmm. Because, because they're already kind of geared towards it. Yeah. They're already discussing it. They're already having the conversation, you know, even uh, around town, they've got, you know, memorabilia or, you know, they got statues and stuff. So people are asking, some people are asking questions. Others, you could, you know, it's an opportunity to be able to explain the, the, well, as like our whole Advent series, right? Like mm-hmm. Joe on Sunday was talking about, you know, for some people for Christmas, there's, there's, you know, the memories, nostalgia, uh, and, but some equate it with like, you know, being good, good towards others. Kind right. Of right. Thing, right. And so kind of using that as an opportunity to springboard to what the true meaning of Christmas is that Jesus is yeah. the reason for the season, which Joe said. Yeah. But I said it tongue in cheek. I didn't say no, it like yeah, what I've yeah. never heard it before. Yeah, stop it. I, you said that was a Joe Thorne original. Mm-hmm. There's, I don't think there is any such thing as a Joe Thorne original except this podcast. That even that wasn't. It was brought to you by <laughs> Fofo. No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, so, Eric, a bottom line is uh, the Reform tradition has largely been, uh, some would say, ambivalent uh, about it. It's definitely not big on celebrating Christmas. Uh, but as but as it relates to culture and um, opportunities to discuss and all of that, and like you talked about, you said there's a secular aspect and a, a Christian um, aspect or a sacred aspect, and I actually like that. I, I think that I thoroughly enjoy the secular cultural aspect of the holidays when it is good, right? I don't mm-hmm. enjoy materialism, but in terms of the Christmas ethic that you see in tales like um, A Christmas Carol, which Spurgeon loved, by the way, um, or um, or some of the other, uh, you know, stories that are told around this time, uh, some of the movies that are made, like, that's all great. Music, songs, trees, lights, it's all mm-hmm. good. So without getting into the background of Christmas and where it came from, I mean, we, we don't have time to, to get into all of that, but we like Christmas. So we do an Advent series. So here's the thing. We do an Advent series yep. every year. Uh, it's the four Sundays before Christmas. So leading up into it, because you know everybody's in the Christmas mood. Yep. So we get to talk about Christ and what it meant for Christ to come. And um, and we try to mix it up a little bit each year. Jimmy and I always preach t- uh, each two of those Sundays. So yeah, it's a good time. We uh, we like it. We got our trees up. I saw you got your tree up. Yep, finally. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun yeah yeah you know jen's got that jen's got her arms all like mm-hmm. bandaged up and everything so you helped so you made sure to I, put it I, nice I, and straight i and... got the tree okay I, a perfect tree it's perfect. an amazing tree i know walmart is fantastic. no stop it. no no real tree <laughs> i got the real tree brought it in got it set up perfect everything's mm. good and then i'm like all right see ya 
And then I let her decorate it with her one arm. With one arm? You yeah. said, yeah, you can she handle had the this. Kids help. The kids help, too. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. What'd you do? What'd you do during that time? So, like, Worked. you watched and you kind of... No, I, I had to go and work. <laughs> you just... You didn't just get to enjoy the moment with them? I did. I enjoyed that moment when I was there. And then I left and <laughs> I, I got to work. a moment. Yeah, I, had, with... I have a lot of stuff to do. I got oh. a lot of stuff going on. What were you doing? I don't remember now. Probably sermon prep or something. I don't know. Mm. All right, Scrooge. All right, listen. We got another email. All right. You want to read this one? This one is about something that we do here at Reader and we talk quite a bit about. Yeah. Uh, choosing Readers. This is by Josiah Pitts. Uh, Maybe he wanted to remain anonymous, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, because this is a very, you know. Well, with a last name like Pitts, I would want to remain anonymous. <laughs> all right, here we go. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you guys all give us that? You do that. We have to say it that way. We have way. to say it that way. Huge fan of the podcast here, obviously. The banter between the two of you fills my Monday and Thursday mornings with plenty of horse laughs, and the theological discussions nourish my heart and engage my mind. You're so, welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. So, all that to say, thanks for being faithful. My question is a bit niche, but I'm trying to think through how to best do this in my own church. So here it goes. How do you go about choosing the people who read the scriptures for the call to worship, mm -hmm. along with any other readings included in the liturgy? Do you ask them to practice the readings? How far in advance do you ask? Do you have the same person do it at all three of your worship services? Or do different people do the readings for different services? Are the readers covenant members, or can they be merely attendees? Any guidance you have on this topic would be most greatly appreciated. Grace and peace, Josiah. Mm -hmm. oh. Why don't you read the next line there, Jimmy? I included it just for you. I copied and pasted. No, no, it says it just says P.S. something. I don't know. I think Jimmy I, is definitely the podcast. Wife. No, I don't think he says that. So it's interesting though, um, Mr. Pitts. You think. Jimmy is definitely the podcast. It kind of cancels each other out. Exactly. I so, don't really, that's not. That's that not, means Joe's the podcast. You just wife. say Jimmy is definitely the podcast. Right? Exactly. Well, it doesn't matter. All right. Um, good question. No, Great Jimmy, question. explain to the people who may not know what we mean by our readers on Sunday morning. Yeah. So uh, in our liturgy, uh, in our order of service, we've got uh, a number of opportunities for uh, the reading of God's word. And so uh, we have the call to worship at the beginning of the service. Um, and even our, like our worship leaders themselves mm -hmm. read scripture um, throughout the service, part of the responsive readings or, or just to read it uh, to the, uh, to the congregation. To make it uh, easier, our readers do two basic things in our, Liturgy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do our, our readers. Yes, they could do the call to worship. There's, uh, uh, but then also for those that are um, doing announcements. Well, what's it's the, the same, same person? person yeah, yeah, same person. Sorry. Yeah, they're reading scripture um, before uh, the offering, and right. when they they're explaining what uh, uh, what the offering is about. So for us, just going like an all. Hang your on, questions. Is, is, that was that was messy. Let's just oh. clean it up for everybody. Okay, let's clean it up. Two parts in the service. Two parts of the service. The very beginning, beginning. of the service. They and then do we a welcome. Oh. They do a welcome. Yep. They do a call to worship. Uh, during that welcome, they might say, hey, glad you're here. If you're new, fill out a connection card. Yeah. And uh, turn off your phones, everybody. Don't be crazy. Oh, I didn't know we were going through a whole liturgy. And, nope. Just these two parts. Okay, yeah. Then they read the scripture. Yep. They come back up in the middle of the service before the sermon to um, do the uh, offering. Yep. They do it. We have a liturgy, so there's scripture reading and an explanation for the offering. Mm -hmm. Then while offering is being taken, they make the announcements. Now, those are the two sections in which our readers operate. Now, Jimmy, go. All right. So we prepare them. No, no, no. I got to let me take this over. <laughs> so we prepare them for the service that we prepare them to give. 
So both both yep. times, scripture is used for prep, press, you know, preparation. Got it. Got it. That's that's how we work it. So, uh, how do you go about choosing the people who read the scriptures for the call to worship? So good looking. They got to be good looking. Um, <laughs> we well, since I'm going to be doing it this week while you're preaching, you I, I usually, just yeah, don't qualify. Yeah. Um, for us, I mean, it's it's the same individual that's. Uh, that's doing our welcoming announcements. So, uh, for those individuals, we definitely look for those that, uh, carry themselves well, are able to articulate, uh, are, are able to kind of, um, they've got confidence there. Mm-hmm. They can, uh, make decisions on the fly, you know, cause there's opportunity. Sometimes things don't go as planned. And so you've got to be able to improvise, uh, in the middle of, of while you, while you are up there. And so, yeah, we do ask them to practice the readings. It's, yep. it's, it's one of the uh, uh, things that we ask them to do is we say, go ahead and read it out loud, read it slowly, mull mm-hmm. it over. Um, and I mean, in a lot of ways, you're, you're practicing, right? You're practicing yeah. um, how you're going to present it because there, there's, as you're, as you're reading scripture out loud, there's, you, there's pace, there's, uh, you know, you can raise your voice, lower it. Inflection. There's inflection. There's there's lots of different. Emphases uh, yeah, that's going to be placed the, in yeah, different there, words. There's lots of different uh, opportunities to really uh, powerfully proclaim, mm-hmm. you know, as you're, as you're uh, reading uh, God's, God's word. I think it's important, too, that <clears throat> you have to understand the scripture to properly read it aloud. Right. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You got to understand like, well, what's, what's the, what's the point? What's the argument? Where mm-hmm. does the emphasis lie? Um, and cause that's going to have a big impact. If you just go up there raw and read it, if you're naturally a good reader, then you might be able to pull it off. Mm. But most of us, need most of us, to, other, yeah, most yeah. of us, you, you've heard me read things here. <laughs> that, that, Jimmy doesn't do that when he's up front. No, no, no. Because we're riffing I, I, here. Yeah. Because I, you know, I, that's different. Yes, that's, that's we're goofing around here. That's right. Let but me I go, also, but I also practice, right? I yeah, also practice yeah, and go through yeah, and try to get, like you said, not just the meaning, but like, I, all right, for those of you that are, you know, mm. uh, postmodern uh, hunter, heresy hunters. Oh, okay. I, I want to get the feel yeah. for the passage. Yeah. Want, there's, there's any, there's sometimes a passage will, uh, there's an, uh, an appropriate emotional response. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right. And so I, 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 want to get to understand that yeah absolutely that's a good reading you know you don't there is a there is a drama in scripture yeah and there's a drama in the arguments and the truths and you want to be able to communicate that not as a melodrama not as an overly dramatic person uh but appropriately let's go back for a second to talk about how we choose people right because so what jimmy you were saying is is they got to be comfortable up front yeah they got to be able to speak uh, they got to be able to read uh, well, mm-hmm. and they have to be quick on their feet yep. because sometimes they got to you know adapt and, and adjust. Um, you're more than likely they're 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 not going to be somebody who is um, who gets nervous in that yeah. situation, right? Um, the way that we choose them is we ask a small handful of people that we know are uh, capable of doing it. And we know this through things like leadership lab yeah, yeah, and yeah. things like that. <clears throat> we've um, seen them in the, in the public square. You know what I mean? We've seen them uh, in public and we've seen how they've handled themselves on a stage. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes we, some we'll just get an inkling like, wow, from the, uh, the small group that we're in, like the way that they read and handle a conversation. So we have uh, currently, I would, I don't know how many we have. Brian handles that, doesn't he? That, yeah. Yeah. That, it was about five, about five of them. So, and so yes, five people or so that we ro- rotate through right now. I think it's, is it one dude and 
Yeah, actually, three I was just about to say. Four. No, you know what? And I told him. And this is another thing. It's a good. It's a good opportunity uh, for your elder candidates. Yeah. So I did tell Brian. All right, get Chris. You know, Chris needs oh, to be a part of it. That's what it is. We've Ke- got a couple more guys. Yes, up there. Kevin needs to be a part of it, and Rob needs to be a part of it. Right? Like, well, Rob, not so much because mm. people know Rob. What's wrong? Hey, what? You don't want Rob mm. up there? No one wants to leave. Yeah, Rob. No. Really good up there. Rob, Rob used to lead version. Rob's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah, great. So we want our elder candidates up there. Uh, so. People could get to know them, see them, and interact with them. Yeah, I like it. All right. Uh, How far in advance do you ask? Our schedule is about a month out, so people know the schedule, mm-hmm. uh, what it is. Do you have the same people do it at all three of your worship services? Yes. Yep. Uh, that would be a nightmare. Oh, that's too much That's organizing. too much administration. Don't so what they'll do is they'll frequently, they'll come to the first service, do the reading, do the offering, then they pop out disappear they yep. come back for second service that's frequently when they're with their yep. family yep for second service or for the whole thing and then they stay through the offering for the third service and then they're out yep uh and let's see are the readers covenant members or can they merely be or can they can they be merely attendees covenant members yeah for these, sure these readers are covenant members because they're part of yep. the worship service yeah and we do not allow anyone on stage that is not a covenant member of Redeemer Fellowship. Yeah. Now I know other churches have different policies, um, and you know that may or may not work for you. But uh, as the as the elders, you know, and we were putting the, the our policies together, we just were not ultimately comfortable um, putting people up front in that way to essentially lead others in worship. That's right. Because yeah, that, that's, uh, def- not that's a leadership role, right? Yeah, you got to be a believer and you got to be fully on board because uh, we're trusting them with yep. uh, this stuff. And this stuff is really important. Sunday is so important to us. Mm-hmm. What else we got here? That's uh, any guidance. That, that's it. That's everything. Any guidance uh, you have on that? Well, uh, yeah. yeah that's, that's so we're good. I, we're, I think we're done. So I think we're done with that one. All right. All right, Joe, here is. Oh, you've been looking forward to this one, Joe. Right. It's a long one, too. We're not going to read this one. We're not going to read this one. We're not going to mention the person's name, but. Um, we had we have a nice email from uh, a Christian woman, yep. yep, who is uh you know has has a boyfriend and they've been together for a, a long period of time, and uh you know they've discussed marriage, but he has been really honest with um his girlfriend about his struggle with soft core pornography. Now, listen, that doesn't make it better. Okay. When people say soft core and, but they're being specific about what kind of pornography it is. And that does matter um, without getting into all of those details. Mm -hmm. So soft core pornography would refer to essentially nude women, but not engaged in sexual acts. So, um, this person has struggled with softcore pornography uh, since his teen years, right? Which is common. And uh, in the time that they've been dating, they um, he has been honest with her and talked to her about this, and he's failed about six times. So as they discussed things like getting married and getting engaged and all of that, they're trying to figure out when is it good, when is it safe to get married mm-hmm. if one of these partners is struggling with pornography. Yeah. So um, what are your thoughts, Jimmy? Yeah. You know, that this is a hard one. It is a hard one. That's a hard one. I mean, because they – in this example, they're using uh, – talked about, you know, a Christian counselor had kind of given the advice that uh, – that because of First Corinthians seven nine, you're burning with lust. Yeah, that uh, the yeah he should. That's evidence you should be getting married, so that this would just you know quell that that would tame the tame the beast. Well, Jimmy, how long have you been married now? I've been 
married about 13 years 13 years i've been married about 22 23 years mm-hmm. and uh you go first is it no, 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 you go first uh, uh, it doesn't uh, matter who goes no, first no, no, then you go ahead then go ahead all right the question is mm-hmm. i knew what question you're doing the question is um how many times Joe? Since, since getting married mm-hmm. has the fire of lust been been doused because of the 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 hot conjugal love that we're allowed to have Go in ahead, marriage. Joe, answer. Uh, heck no. 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 <laughs> no. I thought the same thing too. I thought, like, man, I can't wait because I'm gonna get married and then I'll have a godly sexual outlet mm-hmm. with my favorite person in the world. Uh-huh. It's gonna be awesome, and then I won't struggle with lust anymore. And then and then be like, oh, me. oh. <laughs> and then you thought to yourself, oh, I guess I'm still a sinner. Yeah. No, I found out I'm worse than I thought I was <laughs> because now I now I have this wonderful woman yeah. who loves me, and, there's and yet still you're lust. still going for yeah. 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 So um, all that to say that uh, yeah, that's be be careful because that that's not going to solve no your marriage problem. is not going to solve your issue. Okay, so like what I notice in in this account here that we've read, and we're not reading the whole email mm-hmm. to you guys, but what I've noticed is that in a period of nine months, uh, this brother has fallen six times. Yes, uh, less than once a month. Yep, he's been honest, transparent. He's working it out. Um, I would like to know. What was the struggle like previous to that? Mm-hmm. You know, what was the failure rate? Um, and and what has been the progress during the nine months? Is it has it been, you know, on a regular yeah. or is, is a it a downward slope? Or yeah. do you see, yeah. Is, is or did, did he do really good for six months and now it's, it's yeah. rampant back yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all of that stuff sort of matters. I don't think, I don't think you, first of all, always be careful, right? You're going to get married. You're going to, in theory, spend the rest of your life with this person. And sometimes people marry wrong. Yeah, they 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 make a bad choice. They weren't careful, and then they really suffer because of it. And it can it can bring a lot of devastation. So you do want to be careful. But I would also say that um, every husband and every wife are going to have sin struggles. Yeah, and so you do want to know what those are. You want clarity on that. You want clarity on you, and you want honesty and transparency. But you also have to understand that well. There are sin struggles that we have. Some of these are clearly being overcome and others are not moving anywhere. They're just sort of staying put. And I mean, is there something to be, I guess you may ask this question and and maybe this is just a separate issue and it doesn't need to be said here or it's not part of this conversation, but I don't know. Is there a bit of oversharing here on his part? Well, it, yeah, it, this oversharing and maybe oversharing is not the right word. Inappropriate sharing with the the, the wrong individual. Yeah, that's a good, it's a really good question. Is is like well, they're 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 they, I don't think that they're engaged. Um, and they're no, no, they've yeah, just been they've been dating for yeah. nine and a half months. So, so this is he is asking, could he propose? Yeah, and so it's like I would say uh, a couple of things here. One is that is a pretty intimate conversation and talk for a couple that's dating. Yeah. Ex- um, yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know how old these people are. I don't know what their pasts are. Yeah. I don't know any of that. Um, you do want to be careful about what you share, but at the same time um, you want there to be a level of transparency about, um, about what we struggle with. And so I don't know exactly what he is sharing specifically. Uh, is it just that, Hey, you know, every once in a while I see this stuff online and I go for it, you know, and um, I don't know that it's totally wrong, but depending on what he shares beyond that, it could be problematic. 
but I think it's I think it's a fair it's a it's a fair question to to bring up. It, it, you know, it, is it is it even healthy to be sharing that? But if he doesn't, then she doesn't know. You know, does he keep it a secret? You know, I mean, he would be he could get counsel from somebody else. But if everybody's just yeah, dog, go for it, uh, propose, and she doesn't know what's going on. It could it could put her in an awkward situation. So yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say about how much is being shared uh, between them, and we also don't know a lot of other factors that are going into this, right? Um, you know, is he on the trajectory, you know, away from it or not? Um, you know, they haven't been together that long, so I would. Go, I think Jimmy and I's general advice is going to be go slow. Yeah, yeah. Go slow, uh, and. And make sure that homeboy is getting good discipleship and accountability from people that have had success in breaking away from this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he doesn't need success. He doesn't need uh, accountability from a dude that's in the same exact situation. It's not as helpful. Yeah. And, and I'll just, I'll just share uh, a, a part of my past. So I'm like way before the internet, right? So, but I grew up with access to what used to be called hardcore pornography or triple X pornography, which is just. I think it's just called porn now. Um, so I had access to that at a very, very young age, like first grade young age. And uh, I was always allowed to have pornography even in the home. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a big deal. It was a non-Christian home and everybody was okay with it. So um, that messed up my brain mm-hmm. f- uh, quite a bit. Yeah, we're still dealing with the repercussions. Yeah, of that. yeah. I, I am a little weird. Um, so we uh, – so – I became a Christian and, you know, it was like, oh, I did. I just wasn't buying magazines and getting movies and stuff like that. But then the Internet came out mm. and that threw a monkey wrench into everything for me because now it's anonymous, immediate. Yeah. It, it really created a problem. Easily accessible. Oh, yeah. And this was back when there weren't really videos. It was just pictures you could bring up. But, yeah. And on that dialogue, you just had to sit there for oh, that yeah. five to yeah. ten but minutes. It, and it just it, it reveals the picture from top to bottom. Click. Click, click. Yeah, that's what I was doing. And I started doing that. And then, um, and I, then I got married and everything was great. And we got a computer and I, I mean, I fell almost as soon as we got that computer hooked up to the internet, this would have been 97. Boom. Mm. I, I looked at pornography. And so I had to talk to my wife about it and say, Hey, I, I, you have to, I can't have access to the internet unless you're home. So you have to password protect this thing because I just, I, I, right now I'm lacking self-control. This is not going to fix the problem, but it's at least going to be a safeguard while yeah, I yeah. work on me. I got to yeah, work yeah. on me. And so now I'm fine. I could be on the internet and, you know, that doesn't mean that we don't struggle with lust. You know, if even, even people that have broken away from pornography doesn't mean we don't struggle with lust because it is literally everywhere. It's on every billboard TV mm-hmm. show. And then we have our minds and our hearts. So even if you don't have screens, you know, you're, yeah. you're still filled with, with lustful thoughts and temptations. So um, make sure this guy gets good accountability and help and go slow. That's our general advice, right? Boom. All right, Joe, last one. All right. This is from uh, Ben Mayfield. Mm-hmm. He said, I was just reading stories about former CIA and FBI agents while at work. It was a slow day. And I, the thought occurred to me, is it a sin to lie? If it were a requirement for your job, if there was confidential information that you are entrusted with and someone asks about it, are you sinning when you tell them something that is untrue 
as a cover-up. This is something I have thought about before, but also in the context of endangering the lives of other people. A classic example I have heard several times is that if you were in the 1940s Germany and two Nazi soldiers came to your doorstep and asked you if you were hiding Jews, would it be ethical to lie in that circumstance? If you've already talked about this in a former podcast, then I would love to be redirected to that episode. Best regards, Ben Mayfield. P.S. I also think Jimmy is the podcast wife. Does not Uh, say that. Does (laughs) not say that. I just didn't paste that part in. Um, really good question, man. And, uh, so your, your first question is an easy one. I don't, this may not be exactly what you're asking, but, uh, is it a sin to lie if it were a requirement for your job? Yeah. Um, it is, but you have to define lie and you have to be very specific here. So some people might, may not like my answer. Uh, Jimmy and I haven't talked about any of this. No, we haven't talked about this. No, go ahead. Let's hear this. The bearing false witness against your neighbor. All right. Also known as the ninth commandment for all you people that didn't bother to learn all 10 commandments. Um, oh, here comes Joe in his legal. Learn your 10, everybody. <laughs> learn your 10. Um, is, is an amazing commandment. It's very important. <clears throat> um, a, a lot of theologians have argued that if, for example, the Nazis were coming to your door and they say, do you have Jews here? I've, I've had, I've, here's what I've heard from a group of different people. My former pastor would say, oh, I just wouldn't lie. I mean, because it's a lie. Lying is sin. I'm not going to lie. And I would say, and I remember talking about like, so what would you say? I would just say, well, look around. Okay, so you look. had to let them in. So you let them in and you just say, look around. And then they're going to say, hey, dummy, I didn't ask to look around. I asked you if you're, you're going to have to answer or he's going to put a bullet in your head. Well, I would you know. like, all right, now you're playing games. Uh, I, don't, I don't like that answer. Um, I don't think it is a sin to tell murderers where you are hiding the innocent. Yeah. I don't think you are lying in the violation of the ninth commandment. You are not giving them truth, but they do not deserve the truth because they are intending harm. Yeah. I think there's a conversation here about the, the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I'm not bearing false witness against my neighbor when I tell an enemy who wants to do harm that, uh, oh, they went that away mm-hmm. <laughs> and they point to my right and I know that they went to the left. So that's, that's the basic way that I think about it. Now, you know, again, th- th- we could have, we could do research on this and, mm-hmm. and, and do a deep dive into the ethics of it and into the hermeneutics and ninth commandment and all that. But my, my basic line is, um, the, you do not owe a truthful statement to a person who is intending to do harm to you or to someone else. Mm-hmm. I don't think so that uh, look at, okay. So I understand that. And uh, so we agree with the whole, like the classic sold, you know, Nazi soldiers. So what about when you're, you're, I mean, like at the beginning of part CIA, CIA FBI, right? Yeah. Well, I think that probably falls in line. I would think, yep. you know, misinformation is a strategy yeah. in, in combat war, um, you know, you know as, overthrowing governments. Yeah. yeah. Like we did to the Brits. What's up? <laughs> like we did to What's the up? Yeah. You're welcome that's, for Boris Johnson. We, by the way, if Nazis show up in my house, I just punch <laughs> out their lights. Oh, that's what I do. That, but I'm not going to lie. No, I'll punch I'll their punch lights out. out. Yeah. yeah. That'll go well for you. <laughs> you have a stool? Uh, yeah, I might need. No, yeah. Not, not, Arians are tall, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah I can't really do much. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, but listen, I, I could be wrong. Um, I, I, I could be wrong. And these are, these are extreme examples. Yeah. I think what we need to do is we need to be very careful to be people who tell the truth and don't lie. I yeah. mean, that, 
don't look for if you're trying to squeeze out of telling the truth, you're probably that, in the there's wrong. There's something else there, right? right? Like that, yeah. We're we're big on that. Tell the truth, man. It, it, I. I tend to overshare. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to be a little too honest. Jen's always embarrassed. Um, but part of it is because I I don't want to get I don't want to get caught yeah. telling a lie. It's not even that I love the truth like I'm supposed to as much as like, yeah, that's I would rather look dumb for telling the truth than look crooked for telling a lie. I don't know. It makes me nervous. So I think the question, like these are the extreme examples. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess yeah, we can go do a deep deep dive another time. What about the uh, you know, what about the legal counselor that's you know, can't really tell. They, they're bound to not tell the truth. You know, they can't share information, right? That's, well, it depends. Uh, if it's if it's evidence, then they have to share. They have to disclose. Yeah, they have to, they have to disclose. But then, how they present it, right? How it's presented is is yeah. Well, right? I think in that case, like a defense attorney is is not lying. A defense attorney is defending his client, and they are making arguments that would uh, mitigate. Uh, against um against the prosecution's attacks mm-hmm. uh to provide the best possible outcome that's a part of our legal system they yeah. need a good robust defense but we have you know like brady laws and all of that in place so that like oh you've got you you've got evidence you have to share in discovery with the prosecution yeah. everything that you know if you know something that's relevant to this case you have to share it if not this whole thing's going to get tossed for sure i'm just saying like as a believer as a defense attorney right you no, yeah, your job is to defend and how you present it and twist certain details or emphasize certain, you know, certain aspects of. Yeah, well, I think, again, I, you, it depends on, I guess it depends on, I'm not a lawyer. That'd be good to have some lawyers on here. We, mm. know, we know some. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're really good liars. Yeah. And good looking. Uh, he is not that Greg good Greg is good looking. Greg is not that good He's looking. He's twice as good looking as you are. Uh, that's not saying much, but it's saying something. I know it's not saying much. He's three times as good looking as me. Oh, at five. Least. Well, yeah, I'm trying to be. Well, yeah, can build me up a little bit here. Mm, no, I, I, I can't tell a lie. <laughs> See, I, but my, <laughs> my thought is that um, a defense attorney, many of them, from my understanding, uh, it's not their job to know. Whether or not this person yep. did it, it Probably is their, better not to. It's not their to. job to defend that client, mm-hmm. and so they're looking at the facts, they're looking at the arguments, they're looking at the uh, the, the charges, mm-hmm. and they're trying to you know push back against it um, because a person is in, is supposed to be considered innocent until they're proven guilty. So um, beyond a you know reasonable doubt. Maybe we get a maybe get a lawyer on here. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right, let's do that. So, all right. Bottom line is, yeah, I'll uh, get I'll get Tim. I'll get lawyer Tim. So oh, if we're gonna do, we'll get a good one. Dang. And I know that's, Allison listens. That's that's cool. <laughs> Allison, I think I think your man is handsome, Allison. Uh, um. Hey, let's uh let's just say this about about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't lie, everybody. Yep. Don't lie. Uh, these. What, the situation that we talked about are extreme examples where yeah. I don't think it qualifies as a lie. Um, and and if it, if you were to tell me like, yeah, man, that's a, that's a total lie. That is a sin. I would probably wind up committing that sin then. Because if I, if it comes down to, Oh, you want to take my kids away and um, throw them in jail because we're Christians. I'm, I might, I just might say they're not home. <laughs> Even if I knew it was a lie I just, in my weakness, I might do that. Uh, but uh, so far, I'm not convinced it is. Yeah. All right, man. It's late. 
Yep. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us online on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head to the website, DoctrineDevotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, JoeFoStore.com, and grab some gear. We would appreciate an honest five-star review. Oh. Go to... Go to, go to anywhere. I don't care where you go. Leave us five stars. You know what? You can just go to the Gospel Coalition and just start commenting and leave us five-star reviews <laughs> leave, leave on all of their star. articles. I don't care where you do it. Give us some five-star reviews. Oh. Give us the good review. And make sure you screenshot and send it. Oh, yeah. Screenshot. You will get, I'll tell you right now. If you start leaving five-star reviews for Doctrine and Devotion on various blogs and uh, social media places and screenshot it, we will give you a shout-out. There you go. Fresh Pot every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Later. Later.